say guinea pigs do have personalities. I think if you overfeed them and they get fat, they have less of a personality. But they never seem to show joy or gratitude or like <laughs> a sense of fairness and like general. There's no like relation I find with humans. Like they just squeak. Sometimes are scared. Sometimes referred to as pigs, which I also think is interesting. I just I find them to be dull. Well, each to their own, eh? <laughs> Explore the stories of the week with me, Jokes. And me, Eleanor. As we take a journey into the dirty and sometimes quirky world of the internet comments section. We're going from relying on professional journalists to looking at the grassroots of commentary to get an uncensored perspective on what the public really thinks. Shall we start this episode? Let's start it. Um, okay, so welcome to our first episode, our first official episode, because of course we did do a pilot, um, of Comment People, where we're looking at the stories of the week through the mediums of comment from the ordinary folk, like me and Jose. And we have found some interesting things so far. We have, we have. Um, but before that, how was your week? It was good. I think that it was better than the week before. It's kind of like every week at the moment is like a year in terms of how you feel. It's, it is actually quite crazy, this lockdown, this last lockdown. Yeah, I feel like the announcement at the, at the beginning of the week really helped lift my spirits. Um, and now it seems like there's something to aim for. Because before we were all like wandering around... Like headless mm. chickens going, when will our first takeaway pint come? But now we have a date for that. <laughs> but part of me also remembers Christmas. Oh, you can see everyone in your family. And then suddenly take that away. Everyone's rushing to trains and stuff. <laughs> and then we just believe this immediately. I think it just shows how miserable everyone's become. We're just so desperate to believe it. Everyone just just goes with it, don't they? Mm. Um, shall we introduce... So oh, sorry, go. Oh, well, no, I was just going to say, and actually this might be worthwhile saying as a document, we'll be both heading back to London. We actually met each other in London, but I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is skipping a... Like, no, item. no, let's let's inform the listeners. I know there's hundreds <laughs> and thousands of you out there. Um, let's inform the listeners who we are. You go first, Anna. So who are you? Tell us just briefly. Or, well, not briefly. <laughs> that sounds kind of like, can I just wrap it up in a, just tell us who you are in a nutshell and then we'll move on to the articles and stuff. <laughs> who are you in a good, like, I'll give you a lot of space. See, I'm just talking now. Tell us who you are. Okay, so I am Eleanor Frost. Um, that sounded so dramatic. It's more like <laughs> Eleanor Frost. Um, and I am a student in London um, at university doing my master's in broadcast journalism. And before that, I had done a uh, undergraduate degree in politics and social relations at LSE. And I'm originally from Nottinghamshire, but now I live in East London. 
Uh, something interesting about myself. I am a big fan of... I've become a big fan of roller skating. That's my interesting fact. Um, actually, I've become really... Are you still sk- doing that? Well, no, because my roller skate's actually in London and I have locked down in Nottinghamshire. Mm. Um, but on my return to London, I will be retaking up my skates once again and mm. terrorising the people of Victoria Park. Is that a solo activity? Have you been doing that alone? So it started off as a solo activity and then I did convince my flatmate to also buy roller skates. Hers light up though, so hers are a bit more fancy than mine. <laughs> Probably good at night. Good safety. Good safety feature, yes. Um, I, I don't trust myself in daylight, never mind. Uh not in daylight um <laughs> but yeah so that's me really a uh nottinghamshire roller skater skipper politics hobbier in a nutshell <laughs> i'm gonna reverse a question on you tell me in a not a nutshell but a <laughs> oh, yeah. in a nut bag a whole bag of nuts <laughs> um who you are joseph fox or jose fox Yes, yeah, so commonly known among the public as Jose um, or Jose, whatever you want to call me. I have quite similar, but in just different locations, kind of stuff to say. I don't know what that says, but I did politics at Bristol. I come from Exeter, where I'm currently stuck. Also enjoying time with the family, but stuck. And I have started doing the broadcast journalism course at City. And that's where I met Eleanor, because we actually live in a similar part of London. We do. Mm. Very similar. Um, And we met our our paths crossed on the course, but Mm. then walking home along Regent's Canal one Mm. evening. Um, in the unlit Regent's Canal, I should say to both people, please don't walk the Regent's Canal in the mm. dark. It's quite a scary place. <laughs> it is, and someone actually recommended that we didn't. And I think there was one of these times when we were at uni and it was dark, and I was actually, for some reason, avoiding the traditional route we took. And I don't know why, but it wasn't a nice reason. <laughs> I can't remember. Someone told me something had happened recently. <laughs> And I was taking a very weird route. Anyway. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Shall we start the main body? No, let's edit that out. <laughs> so you really do talk in essay language. Like you really have been put through what must be at LSE an ultra squeezer in terms people, of... This is just how people talk at LSE, I think. <laughs> Just constant essay format. <laughs> come on, come on, Eleanor. It's the intro to the night. I wonder how this evening will conclude. <laughs> With a short afterward. Yeah. Is, that, is it afterward or afterward? I've always wondered. Uh, after afterward, I don't know. Uh, afterward. Afterward, I don't know. Or append? How do you say appendices? <laughs> I actually say it like that. Appendices. But the very few times I've had to actually say it. Or appendix. Mm. 
It's been a long time since I've used these words. Anyway, we we digress massively. <laughs> Let us start episode one of Comment People. Okay, so it has been quite a interesting week. Funnily enough, this week there is a major story that I actually cannot grasp. For some reason, every time I've come to read about it, it just doesn't go in. But all may become clear. So, Elena, I am really actually quite excited for this one because I think this is a wide shot, maybe, or like, kind of, I don't know what to say. It's like a, it's a, it's wide off the mark. It's qu- It's quirky. Okay. I'm here for that. Well, maybe that's quite offensive, um, but it's <laughs> it's very interesting. So, the comment, and it does include some names, which are hints. So, this is Des McFarlane. And and this, it has... is a this is a newspaper comment. Yeah, this is newspaper. This is newspaper. This is newspaper. So, Des McFarlane, and it has 14 thumbs up after only two hours of being up on the site. So he says, Starmer, the organ grinder's monkey, in brackets, has a new mug with a capital M to rattle about in Scotland while the organ grinder, brackets, Boris, turns the organ grinding out rule Brexitania. Hardly news and does not improve any of the unionist party's outlook. Wow, dismal, dismal view of... <laughs> I love the sort of creativity of that, but the constant use of organ grinder. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit overused, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I yeah. think organ grinder should be a, a fewer, like a conservatively used. It should. What's, what's the word? Economically used, there we go. Definitely. If you're going to describe someone as an organ grinder, you have to do it when it's needed. It's like swearing. Like, if you swear too much, it loses its power. It loses its purpose. Same with organ grinder. Also, where did the phrase organ grinder come from? Like, who invented, like, do you do you picture a certain organ being grinded? Is that something you picture <laughs> in your head? And, like, why does, it, why does it represent what it does? Why does it represent someone, you know, drilling down? Well, exactly. And I think that's true. Is it, is it an occupation? Is organ grinder actually something with a purpose? Should we Google where the origin of organ grinder comes from? Because it sounds like a job. It sounds like a role that someone has. But what would you be grinding them into? Is it pate? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> nice uh, human pate. Because he's using it negatively. Like the organ grinder is a really negative occupation to have it. Maybe says a lot about your personality. Okay, so the organ grinder. Oh, I think we're completely, I think we're really silly. We're completely misinterpreting it, I think. I think it comes from, you know, the, you know, musical organ. Oh. Yes. So uh, so Cambridge Dictionary, so an organ grinder is a person who earns money in the street by playing a musical instrument that is operated by turning a handle. Sorry, that's completely wrong about organ as well. It's the... Bloody hell. It's the, I think it's like the accordion. No? Oh, wow. It's, so, it's like a so busker. If, okay. 
So if you're grinding the organ, though, does that mean you're kind of ruining the musical side of it, or is it actually you're just playing the organ? I think it. I think it's you're ruining it. Ruin, ruining it. Interesting. That is even more niche than I thought. Yeah. Less graphic. Less sort of bloody. Yeah, less... I was imagining some sort of Sweeney Todd style. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's... With yeah. a conveyor belt of <laughs> organs and just a stamping sort of metal bar that... Anyway, mm. so I think the story is to do with, and especially your hint of um, it being a story that's quite hard to grasp, I think you're, the story refers to everything that's happening with Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon up in Scotland at the moment. See, you're partly right in the sense that that is the story I am for some reason finding really hard to understand. But that's not this particular story. Okay. Uh, So it's something to do with Scotland and is it to do with their enthusiasm for independence at the moment? No, it's not. Is it to do with the appointment of a new uh, Labour leader in Scotland? It is. Ah, okay. So yes, this would be the appointment of uh, Anis Sawa. Am I saying that right? That is right. So yes, it is the his election or internal election victory for Scottish Labour. It might speak volumes, though, that... I mean, it didn't take you too many guesses, but the fact it was third down the list probably speaks volumes to the diminished role of Scottish Labour. But I think there's something of, like, a fatigue with um, Scotland's Labour Party because they've had, like, seven leaders Mm. since 2007, I think I Mm -hmm. read earlier. Um... Which is a lot. So maybe people just don't care who leads Scotland anymore because they're not they're not even second party, are they? They're third party. Mm, they are. No, I think there is probably some truth to that. Uh, and it is a good thing that... Because Richard Leonard, who was the previous guy... So he has a Lancashire accent. Okay. okay. So Richard Leonard, who was the previous guy, interestingly... And I've, I don't know about you, but I've noticed in the Scottish Parliament... And it sounds like it would be obvious, but I'm not sure how obvious it has been in the past, that a lot of people are have strong Scottish accents, whereas I think it used to be more of a mix when the Scottish Parliament was founded. And But isn't that to do with the a lot of the parliamentarians being part of the well, the S and P having the majority? True. Maybe that is it. And actually, that would be an interesting thing to explore, I think. Yes. Um, but yeah, so Scottish Labour have a new leader. He beat, I think it, it was Monica Lennon, who interestingly used the same branding as Angela Rayner. Kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I found that interesting. A footnote. <laughs> yeah, a footnote. Font. A little thing on fonts. And I really am passionate about fonts. But yeah, so congratulations. But I do have one more question, which is which newspaper do you think it was in? I am going to guess this was in the Express. It wasn't. 
No. I think this will be quite a tricky to guess, but it will make a lot of sense. So the newspaper is The National. Oh. Which is, I think, the, if I'm right, it was set up in the aftermath of this 2016 referendum. I think it's one now one of the highest circulating Scottish newspapers. I'll have to check that. I'm not actually sure. But it is an independent supporting newspaper in Scotland, whereas opposed to most of the other mainstream newspapers, they are unionist. So, yes. Diversifying out our sources. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Okay, right, I'm going to go on to my uh, Facebook comment. So, this comment uh, comes in response to an article posted on Facebook, um, and it's someone by someone called Cathal. I'm not sure that's how you say it, Cathal, C-A-T-H-A-L. Oh, Cathal. It's like an Irish name, like C-A-T-H-A-L. Oh, Oh, I did not know that. So yeah, Cathal. Ah. I've never heard that name before. Um, Okay, so the world can can breathe a sigh of relief. All the war and pestilence halted until she got her family back. Well done, social media and news sites for this riveting storyline and managing to glaze over the human cost. I hope her dogs didn't lose any followers on Instagram. Oh my goodness. All, all said in a very sarcastic tone, I think Cathal has written that okay. in. Okay. Oh, wow. So, something involving dogs. Yes. Okay. That clearly edged itself above the news of war and pestilence in the world on the headlines. Okay, so this is something about dogs actually. Oh, okay. I think I actually know. I was going to try and say something funny there, but I think (laughs) I know. Is it something about Joe Biden's dogs in the White House and Jill Biden making a big thing of it? Major and Champ are their names. (laughs) See, I'm well attuned to the dogs. And they are, I mean, firstly, they are massively American names. Major and Champ are extremely <laughs> American names. You can get more American names. <laughs> I'm not sure I could ever really find a pet sweet or cute if it was called Major or Champ. I just don't think I could. No, neither. <laughs> neither. Uh, but so... I, hate, I hate to stop you in your tracks, but you're completely wrong. That is not the story. <laughs> <laughs> that was really overconfident. Like, I'm just going to... Okay. You did go in really confidently there. I mean, it also could have... It could relate to this. Um, I mean, any dog story being put above other news stories could come under this classification, mm. but that is not the story. Disproportionate pet. Disproportionate pet airtime. Um, okay. Any other um. ideas of this dog story? Are we now, and this is with the new two limit rule, is it? Are we establishing a two minute, or, or two... Try rule. Two try rule, yes. So you get another another guess. Okay. Um, You have to quickly read it again, I think. The world can breathe a sigh of relief. All the war and pestilence halted until she got her family back. Well done, social media and news site, for this riveting storyline and managing to glaze over the human cost. 
I hope her dogs didn't lose any followers on Instagram. All said oh. in a sarcastic tone by Cathol. Oh wow! I, I, it sounds like a transport accident, or like, uh, or like a train has got stuck in a tunnel, and someone's <laughs> dogs were rescued over the rest of the passengers. <laughs> No, unfortunately not. And I'm glad you haven't heard about this because I want to tell you the story. Um, it did mm. make big headlines. It was the sto- It is the story of Lady Gaga's dogs. Uh, mm. It made headline news this week when she she's in Rome filming mm-hmm. and her dogs are in Hollywood and she has a professional dog walker called Ryan Fisher. Ryan Fisher was out walking her two bulldogs called... Uh, Koji and Gustav. Okay. Um, and he was that is very Gaga. That is very Gaga. <laughs> Koji and Gustav. Um, and he was walking them in the evening. I think it was Wednesday. And he was shot like multiple times in the chest by people who Whoa. wanted to steal her dogs. And they did. They stole her bulldogs. Um, and yeah. The the dogs were stolen. He went to hospital, and then Lady Gaga issued a five hundred thousand dollar reward for anyone who would bring the dogs back. Um, and the dogs were returned. I think yesterday, so that would be Saturday, the twenty seventh. Um, they were returned to the LA Police Department, and they were given their cash prize of five hundred thousand dollars. And Ryan Fisher, I think, is is he's not dead. I think he's ill in hospital still, but he's not dead. But the funny thing was, is that all the headlines just focused about these dogs, these poor dogs being stolen, and no one seemed to care about this man who'd been shot. This dog walker who'd been shot for the dogs. That is really telling of, like, a lot of issues or priority issues we have. Did she seem to care? Like, did did Gaga put out (laughs) any... Put out any, um... She put out thing, quite a lot like of tweets, and she she heroic. did she did talk about his um, his bravery, um, mm. but it's more the emphasis was definitely on the dogs, which is what people took issue with. Okay, that is that is shocking, and actually, I wasn't fully aware of that. But would the person who handed them in not have been? charged because surely they would have a connection with the people that shot this ryan guy this poor poorly overlooked ryan so apparently um when she issued the reward she said you'd get the money no questions asked and a third person a third party sorry went to exchange the dogs for the money and so it was a woman who wasn't apparently um wasn't involved with the the men who took the dogs Okay. Wow. I know. <laughs> Apparently it's, it sent a shiver through all of West Hollywood for all the celebrities who now fear for their dogs and dog oh, walkers' wow. safety. See, I really do have, like, an issue with pro- uh, the over-prioritisation of pets. Like, I just... Pets are just... Like, I've got two cats and they just sort of... They just scream all the time. They're so demanding. They are quite hilarious, but they are deeply frustrating <laughs> creatures. I was going to call See, look, I've got the same problem. They do have very human names, Sam and Tom, which is probably also an issue. They are very human names. Very do normal you have names. Any, do you have an over-prioritisation of pet issue at your house? 
Uh, so we have no pets in our household. We were very much a, you're the very much the line that was always used is you'll enjoy them for five minutes and then forget about them and we'll be the ones looking after them from my parents. <laughs> so I did not grow up with, we had a guinea pig at one time, two guinea pigs at one time. They were called uh, Clarice and Harriet. Why? I know. But I, I never, I, I know this might upset people, but guinea pigs never seem to have personality. I I disagree. As did as had we actually bought a guinea pig um, from like a farm a farm uh, farm near us, and the guinea pig first the first Harriet the first guinea pig we bought was blind and kept running into walls so we had to return her, and then the second Harriet two we got so we named the first Harriet Harriet one and the second Harriet Harriet two because we obviously couldn't think of any other names in the entire world, and. Mm. Uh, we bought her and then six weeks later we didn't realise she was pregnant and there was a little black bob a little black blob in the corner of the hutch and she'd given birth without us knowing oh wow I know Um, we weren't allowed to keep that one though we did have to give it back Um, but I I would say guinea pigs do have personalities I think if you overfeed them and they get fat they have less of a personality but they never seem to show joy or gratitude or like, <laughs> like a sense of fairness and like general. There's no like relation I find with humans. Like they just squeak. Sometimes are scared. Sometimes referred to as pigs, which I also think is interesting. I just I find them to be dull. Well, each to their own, eh? <laughs> yes. So a lot of built up. There's two in particular from my past, and I think some anger's coming out about certain certain running away that they did, and I think I was blamed. We can look up therapists after this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <that's>... Okay. <laughs> you. It is your turn to read me your comment. So, I'm Facebook, aren't I? Yes. Okie dokie. So, this is from Stephanie Stollery. And <laughs> sounds like a made up name, but it's not, I promise. Actually, the response name sounds made up too. 65 reactions, cares, love hearts and likes. She says, idiotic questions again from the press. I really don't know how these three poor chaps hold it together and say, really, that's your question. Well handled from Boris and his staff. And there is a response, probably slightly useful, from Julie Ann Shakespeare. Again, a real name. I feel the same. I say it every time. Hmm... This one's got me stumped. I feel like it's definitely something to do with obviously the the virus. Um, can you read the first comment again for me? Idiotic questions again from the press! Exclamation mark. I really don't know how these three poor chaps hold it together and say really, that's your question. Well handled from Boris and his staff. Hmm... I feel the same. Say it every time. <laughs> I don't know on this one. I'm not going to lie. I think, is it to do with 
are the three men in reference Boris, Chris Whitty, and Patrick Sir Patrick? It is. It is Sir Patrick, Chris, Sir Patrick. and Boris Johnson. And, and we really got to move away from Boris. <laughs> we know him personally. Yeah. Um, yes, and is it to do with the un un the reveal, the big reveal that everyone had built up to on Monday of the roadmap? It is, and I apologise because I think it's a sadly predictable story. But the raise. biggest one of the week. But it is the biggest story, isn't it? It really does affect everything. And like we're saying, this actually came down so far to the point where it affected our mood. Yeah. Didn't it? You said you felt happier because of Boris's roadmap. <laughs> because of the four-stage roadmap, yeah. yeah. I think the roadmap has been received well on mm. all... F- on As well as can be on many fronts. I think it's cautious enough for the um for the lockdown enthusiasts to get on board with and it's all been taken quite slow um and yeah i think it's keeping people with who want an end date in mind quite happy something to work towards Mm. i think it's a nice balance um because we all just want to get out of this now don't we but also we don't want to enter lockdown for ever (laughs) ever And I, I, I think that the majority of us, like you're saying, are so weary of this. We need some kind of uh, encouragement, but also acknowledge if he gets it wrong again, we'll all be heading straight back to lockdown. I think there are some people a bit concerned all about all schools returning on the 8th. Yes, but... because Scotland have done a staggered approach, haven't they? So they've been letting mm. year group by year group. I, I guess it is a bit worrying if suddenly next Monday... You know, you have a school and 1,200 people turn up for it. It is. Um, it is. And lack of protection for teachers, really. Yes. And they've, and obviously they've been, they've been uh, told that they won't be prioritised for the vaccine in the, the second stage of the rollout. It'll just mm. be done by age, um, which a lot of unions are complaining about. That is really crazy, actually. I, th- I thought if you were a key worker, you would have a vaccine prioritization yeah yeah i think the the government's argument is that it's just quicker and more efficient to get everyone done by age group Mm. um so i I don't quite know what i think of it if if i think teachers should be vaccinated first um i would say they should purely because i think you need to get people back in school like that is the part i do agree with because people are going to start falling behind and those who are most privileged in schools that can afford, which most of the time are probably private, are going to be the ones that actually can have a full education during lockdown. Yeah, you're So right. I do agree with we need to get the schools back, but that means vaccinating teachers. And it means vaccinating everybody else who works in the school as well. Mm. So all the, the yeah. care workers, the dinner ladies, the support mm. staff. I guess it's a massive job. I think, yeah, the, there was concern about the 8th mass start date um but apart from that i think the roadmap's been well received yeah i think so too i would agree i do think that the 23rd of june is it return of clubs 21st is it the 21st because there is a countdown twitter account like this number of days before i think that is 
so unlikely. I mean, I know that it's becoming like... I say that to people and they seem annoyed that I say that. So I don't know if anyone else thinks it's unlikely. What do you think? I think people are holding on to it as something... <laughs> and like they're clinging on to it with their bare hands as yeah. a date for like going wild. It is a Monday night, so I'm not sure how how feasible... Uh, everyone in the entire country going out. There was a petition started by the Daily Mail or was publicised on the Daily Mail Mm. um, about making the 22nd a bank holiday. Okay. I think that would potentially make sense. Although, I mean, there is the other side where Brexit custom checks come in during that time. We'd all be going back to restaurants. There could be shortages. It could be another bloody disaster from ye olde Boris. It really could. Um, but also it could end up being like the Weimar years in Germany. Like we all just go bloody mad and hedonistic. Yes. And I think that is potentially a problem as well. And like the poor NHS staff, imagine they've just like come out of like the hardest time they've ever faced in peacetime. And they finally think they've got a break. And then on the 22nd, they like have an A&E full of people who have fallen off the pavement and cracked their head open. Or like got alcohol poisoning. I feel like Uh, it would be more sensible to fate. But I guess something maybe we're forgetting is that pubs will be open by that time. So it's mm. not like people are starved of alcohol. It's just the nightclubs that will reopen. So maybe that date is less of a... A pinnacle to hold on to. Yeah, I think so. It'd be like, you know, that famous picture that people say is like a work of art, Manchester New Year 20 something, like three years ago, where there's like a man lying on the street and there's like, a, there's so much going yes, on. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah. That will be the scene potentially. That will be the scene. Oh. What a crazy life. It's like we're all, Boris says you can do this. Oh, well, let's do it. Boris says you can do that. Oh, let's do that. Like, oh, Boris says you can't. Oh, let's stop. Like, that is just life now. And I just, it's going to be a long time until that, until until this mystique of Boris leaves our lives. Yeah. I think maybe the steps, it's good because on each step, will be more comfortable getting closer to people. Because I don't know mm. about you, but I feel like I'd have like some sort of mass panic attack if I was yeah. in a room with lots of people now. Yeah. I feel like the thought of that just seems unimaginable now. So I feel like it's going to... It's because, what's it called? Exposure therapy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Being exposed to larger groups. Um, I've just... also become more paranoid about people ste- like pickpocketing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I think that's part of this but like on the street I'm really aware like someone put their hand in my pocket god it's weird that we used to go around clubs with wallets and phones in our pockets isn't is that weird like being so closely tied together like this sometimes and people could put their hands in our pockets and take the contents yeah (laughs) maybe this is just lockdown paranoia coming in a, I feel like a we... general distrust of human being okay so you Eleanor you go with your next I am going to read you a comment from a newspaper a comment section and this is by a commenter who goes under the name of Spondonaman. Um, I don't know what that means and I 
really don't think it is a proper name, but Spondonoman says... Two rival, rotten, anti-working-class hounds wanting to run Scottish capitalism their way. Might only be interesting if they could slug it out UFC style. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. Well, this is certainly going to be the Nicola and Alex story. This is. Indeed, it is. Which I think has been overshadowed by, I think, would be big, would be bigger news than it was this week had it not been coronavirus times but yes Mm. did make all the headlines this week it yes it did what what do they call them working class hounds working class hounds anti-working class hounds the thing that made me laugh is just the mental image of nicola sturgeon and alex salmon uh Mm. slugging it out ufc style Mm. (laughs) what are your general if you've because i think yeah, thinking about this, what are your thoughts on what either is happening with them or their purpose anyway? So this story, I think, is a complicated one. And this week I did try and dive into it. Um, to Because I feel like if you just switch on the news one day... I've not been following the story it's really hard to pick up actually what's been happening so I did deep dive into it and basically it's an it's a parliamentary investigation into the handling of the complaints by the by the Scottish government so it's an inquiry on an inquiry basically on allegations of Alex Salmon's sexual misconduct Mm. for which he was actually cleared of all cases counts charged cleared of all counts of sexual misconduct um, by the Scottish court last about a year ago. And basically, Alex Salmond is saying that the Scottish government didn't handle the whole um, inquiry very well and that evidence went missing and um, it was a, a, a coup inside the Scottish government to get rid of it, to mm. get rid of him. It was a witch hunt. Mm. And... Um, Nicholas, and then he says that Nicola Sturgeon has broken the ministerial code um, because it's all he said, she said about when she knew about these allegations. So there's a lot of he said, she said, and basically the, the crux of the story is um, he says that the, the government didn't handle it very well and that Nicola Sturgeon was part of this plot to get rid of him and... Um, it's all just a bit messy, he said, she said. I think that's mm. that's maybe not the best way of explaining it all. But the it, the timing of it is quite interesting because obviously we've got the May elections coming up for Scotland mm. in May. Um, and the SNP can secure a majority there. Then they will have a even bigger mandate to demand independence, which apparently they're polling as wanting already. Well, as in mm. they're polling high already. So I'm not sure if this could this blip could influence people's opinions of Nicola um, as the yeah. figurehead of independence. Yes. And the SNP have this unique ability to be in government but appear as the outsiders. Yeah. As thanks to the UK. I mean... They remind me, and this will sound controversial, but they do remind me of Brexiters in the sense that the SNP and Nicola 
Nicola, I don't know what I'm saying, it's so familiar. <laughs> Nicola, like, you, she will never, uh, and this is fair enough, but it's under the guise, I think, of responsible government and governing and kind of sometimes just very, I mean, she's so such a skilled politician, but under the guise, I think, of responsible government, there is just a continual push for independence. Yeah. And I think that it reminds me of, like, the Tory backbenchers under Cameron Major in 92 and stuff, where they would always demand something, but it would never be enough because they do have a real ideological aim. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. Isn't I mean, the SNP as a party are weird in the sense ideologically they're unusual. Really unusual. There are these, like, they're called, like, the Tartan wing or something, and they're, like, centre-right, I think, the more aligned with Salmond. And then yeah. there's people like Mari Black, who says as soon as independence would happen, she would leave the SNP and join what would, I imagine, be an independent Scottish Labour or something. Yeah, it is a broad church just under mm. the under the umbrella of independence, but independence mm. doesn't necessarily align you in any other political way. So I think it is a really tricky party to navigate, especially in... Definitely. Yeah, in troubled times. They'd probably split, I think, if independence happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, I definitely think if independence happened, the SNP will not be as we have it now. I mm. think it will definitely split. Um, so, yeah, that was the story. Um, Alex Salmond and Nicola Sturgeon slugging it out, UFC style. Mm. Um Yeah. Salmond is great at self-pity. Like, I did watch him and thought, your main skill is feeling sorry for yourself. I mean, he weird—he does it weirdly effectively. I just... Like... His hearing went on for so long. It started Ugh. at 12 and ended at... Did it end at 7? 6.30? It went on for so long. Um, he was very well prepared for that hearing. Oh, it's because he's talking mainly about himself. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> anyway... Okay, so we're going to move on to your final comment that you have found this week. Okay, well this is a bit of an unusual one and I would like to hear whether you think this concept works in terms of the comment people universe. Go. But this is a tweet and here we go. So, the tweet says... Casual message from mum, and the tw- and the message itself is, the bomb may go off between five thirty and six thirty. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Okay, I definitely know what this is referring to, and I'm very glad you have brought it up because there's only one person who can be our live correspondent from the area it's <laughs> happened, and it is you. So I think this tweet is referring to um, the bomb that was the undetonated bomb that was found in Exeter. Correct, absolutely correct. So yes, yesterday a I think it I can't I honestly I've just heard so many people around here speak about it. It seems like it was a Luftwaffe bomb, <laughs> and it was found near the university. Funny enough, somewhere we were going walking over lockdown. It was exploded yesterday. Actually, really worth watching the video. I, I saw it this morning. It was huge. Massive, like I, yeah. Huge. 
The hole it's left is apparently the size of a double-decker bus. Yeah. And and it was... There's a great video where someone goes, Holy macaroni! Like, <laughs> like and there's car alarms going off and the smoke, it almost looks like old smoke, if I say a thing, like mechanical smoke. It's really weird to think that that explosion was caused by the Luftwaffe. <laughs> who, who discovered it? How was it found? I think someone was clearing weeds. So it's essentially in like a garden area that was overgrown gardens. Mm-hmm. I think someone was clearing the land. That's what I want to say. But we were re-watching this. So we actually used to live near an Exeter historian across the road. And he um, made a documentary and it was all on YouTube. And it was about the Blitz in Exeter. Because Exeter was really badly squashed. Well, squash sounds a bit trivial. It was blown to bits. The centre was completely decimated. In fact, even behind my road, there was something called Devon Road. And it's just gone. Like, there's no road there. And I think it's because of the huge bombing here. And our front door was wonky for years, up until a few weeks ago, funny enough. And it was because of the bombing. The bombing had made the door frame like this. Oh, wow. Mm. I did not know this about Exeter. So that's really... It's really interesting and mm. and yeah I think it was a I don't know a unique story something you don't hear every day I just couldn't believe that a bomb still worked after all these years I don't know I naively thought That's it was like wear and tear like after a few years it would just decommission itself yeah and the fact it was there for so long like a few days ago it was just there like a bomb isn't designed to just last is it I don't know would it have just potentially blown up I mean who knows? Some people around that area may end up having a bit of PTSD from that big bomb just being found. What about in your area? Was there much bombing there? I think uh, this area of Nottinghamshire was quite um, protected. There wasn't much bombing here um, mm. at all. So we don't have any sort of local history like Exeter does to show for that. Well, I mean, the history shows for it a lot of very ugly post-war buildings that have replaced <laughs> the bombed historic Exeter. <laughs> Namely Sidwell Street. To anyone who knows Exeter, Sidwell Street. Ugly. <laughs> very ugly. But yeah, this tweet, and I did... It's a bit self-obsessed, probably, to read my own tweet, but I rarely tweet. I never get any response. Wait, so it's your own tweet? Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I had to. How it, self-indulgent. It is very self-indulgent. But the thing is, I tweet, I sometimes get one or two likes if I'm lucky. This, at time of recording, has 2,370 likes. Oh my gosh, I am on air with an actual superstar, <laughs> a viral... Exeter influencer in our midst. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought your own tweet to our attention <laughs> and I wish you all the luck in the Twitter fame universe. Thank you. And I would say as well, there are so weirdly I actually got a bit anxious about it and was like, should I delete this? Because <laughs> I've never <laughs> had this. And there are some brilliant responses. If you anyone has any time, go through them. They are really funny. So a lot of people said it's like a courier. So it's like a DPD message 
So it's like Churchill getting a telegram saying, your bomb from us is in transit via air freight and will go off between now and Saturday the 27th. (laughs) Someone else said, the kisses! We're about to be invaded by the Germans, lol. (laughs) (laughs) I think the kisses do make it. So that brings us to the end and um, we hope you have enjoyed this first episode of Comment People. We very much enjoyed bringing it to your earbuds, headphones, speakers this week. Good old fashioned speakers. Good old fashioned speakers. Um, We'll be back next week and in the meantime you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at commentpeople underscore and we would be grateful if you could follow us. And it would be great to have a rating as well. We're still probably yet to get a rating. We want to get funny, funny <laughs> ratings, uh, but with good stars or however it's done. And we hope you enjoy following this evolving podcast. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>